Both my grandfathers had prostate cancer, died from it. I never knew them. So I said, okay, it's in my DNA. I mean, God, you created me. And if you created me and this is in my DNA, then I'm going to embrace this and I'm going to let you take it and use it whatever way you want to. Today on First Person Evangelist, Sammy Tippett tells how a diagnosis of cancer led to a personal revival in his own life. Welcome to First Person, a weekly interview with a guest whose life story we explore to learn more and more about the faithfulness of God in our lives. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll find more information about today's conversation at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. We've placed links there that will lead you to additional websites and resources, including the archive of today's interview and all past First Person programs. Just go online to firstpersoninterview.com. I've known today's guest for many years. As a matter of fact, Sammy is internationally known for preaching at some of the world's largest evangelistic gatherings. He's proclaimed God's message of peace in stadiums in war-torn Burundi, met with government and religious leaders shortly after the attempted genocide in Rwanda, and brought hope to persecuted believers in the former Soviet bloc nations. But in addition to that, his writings, especially his books, The Prayer Factor and Fire in Your Heart, have been widely read. But a few years ago, Sammy received a diagnosis of cancer, which changed the direction of his life and brought him a renewed sense of meaning and purpose. And that's the story we're going to focus on today here on First Person. I caught up with Sammy in Atlanta a few weeks ago at a publishing conference, and we sat down in a large conference room to talk about the things that God has done through his life. I was diagnosed with cancer four years ago. And in the diagnosis, it was uh, perhaps the greatest thing or the deepest revival that I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, You you know a lot about revival. That's right. But that wasn't the kind of revival you were seeking. At least that wasn't the route to revival you were were seeking. I've always said that revival is not the top blowing off, but the bottom falling out. Uh (laughs) When the bottom falls out, there's only one way to look. And when you're diagnosed with cancer, the bottom's kind of falling out. So the the surgeon said to me, I needed to lose weight. And he said, I needed to build endurance. And just at the time he said that I was having my quiet time with the Lord. And he spoke to me from Hebrews 12, one that says, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And the Lord spoke one word to my heart, run. It sounded strange, you know, run. Well, here I'm, I'm diagnosed with cancer. I, I don't want to be indelicate, but how old were you when you got that word from the Lord? Well, I was, I, you know, I, I was introduced to the 60s, not the 1960s, <laughs> but the, <laughs> the decade of my 60s. So uh, for when, someone to make that commitment 60 plus, yeah. that, that's a big change. Yeah, and you see, 30 years prior to that, I had a good friend. He and I were runners, to, partners together, and he was killed in an accident. Oh. And uh, he was my best friend. We dreamed together about the ministry that I'm doing today all over the world. But uh, during that time, one of the dreams that he had was that we would run the original Greek marathon. <laughs> and, you know, all the things that we dreamed about, God has brought to pass, except for that one thing. Is that right? And the Lord reminded me of that Greek marathon. <laughs> and so he spoke to my heart about run. And then as I began to, so I, I couldn't do it then. I had to wait until after the surgery. I had to wait three months after the surgery to mm-hmm. be able to exercise. Sure. But as I began to exercise, God opened the scriptures to me uh, on all the passages on running. And there's incredible number of passages. In fact, Paul, some people think Paul 
must have been a runner when he was a young person. It was more than just a metaphor. Right, huh? and uh, because he, he used so many scriptures, and there are some scriptures that you wouldn't even know that are running verses, and except you know the terminology from the Greek that that's a specific running thing. Okay. And what happened was the scriptures, it's almost like the way I like to describe it is that, you know, you go to a movie and you see a movie and then you go to a 3D movie and all of a sudden <laughs> there's a whole <laughs> Another layer, yeah. yeah. And whenever I began to run, it was like, uh, yeah, all the scholars and study and all that was great. But then it just opened up to me in a whole new dimension because God began to teach me some things and it transformed my life. People, when they see me, they think, you know, oh no, you've had cancer and they kind of whisper, <laughs> are you okay? Because they see I've lost so much weight. But it wasn't the cancer. It was, it was the running. And God's renewed my health. God's renewed my spirit. Uh, he's given me a greater vision. I mean, it's, it's just been great. So what happened was I embraced the cancer. And I said, if I die, I die, and I want to die for your glory. Either way, you win. That's right. And if I live, I live. And, and so, Lord, teach me. And the, I think the neat thing about it was that, you know, we quit, sometimes we quit growing the older we get. We think, okay, you know, yeah. I've arrived. A plateau. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but through the running, God said, I'm going to teach you more about Christian living. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where the revival came in, the, the depth of what God did in my heart. It's just been tremendous. Well, just watching you talk about this, you light up about this. This, yeah. this really, it really affected you, didn't it? It, it has affected me and it is still affecting me. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at, at how much I've I've, I've, I've grown in what, what God's teaching me day by day through the through his word and how he's changing me and things like, like for instance, one of the things that happened prior to the diagnosis with cancer, I went through a incredibly difficult time. Uh, my Another best friend was killed. I was hospitalized twice coming back from Pakistan. And, and then uh, the guy who was translating our materials in Pakistan was kidnapped and they were demanding $60,000 ransom from us. And uh, before I could even respond, they killed him. What do you do? And uh, it just devastated me. And, and I, I came to the place, and I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will identify with this. I was just tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was trying to serve the Lord. I loved him. And, you know, I've been, I've yeah. been in this thing for over 40 years. And, but, but I was tired, mm-hmm. Wayne. And, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And then diagnosed with cancer. But one of the things that God taught me through the running was uh, after I ran this Greek marathon, I went and started got, got involved in senior games and the master's track and field. Well, when you do something, you, you do it all the way. Yeah, right? I, 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 that's, that's my personality <laughs> type. And so, but, but my CPA ran in the master's track and field, and, and I ran against him in a race, and he won, and he did really well. And I said, how did you do so good? How did you do this? And he said, let me introduce you to Julio. And Julio was number four in the world in his age division. And so Julio said, would you like to work out with us? I said, sure. So he took me and started teaching me to run hills. Hmm. And, uh, man, they were, they were hard. <laughs> they were tough. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, he said, I love to run hills because the hills make you strong. Oh, boy. And uh, so <laughs> I, I started running hills and I started getting stronger. I ended up winning the state championship in Texas for the 400 meters. And this guy came up to me and he said, hey, how did you improve so much? And I said, let me introduce you to Julio. <laughs> and on it goes. <laughs> but but what, I, what I learned was a champion has to run hills. That's where his strength comes from. And when you read Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, looking, looking unto Jesus, mm-hmm. the author and perfecter of our right. faith, after it says run the race, mm-hmm. the next thing it talks about is the hill 
that yeah. Jesus climbed. Run the race with endurance. That's which right. Which comes with through running hills. Yeah. That's right. And <laughs> and then it talks about how he endured the cross, went up that hill, Golgotha. And then and as as we consider him. And so, you know, just things like that that God used in my life to say, Sammy, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you to a new level. I wanna bring you to a new level of ministry. But before I can do that, I've got to bring you to a new depth in your walk and intimacy with me. And that can only be learned through the difficult things. Let me ask you a bit more about it, because many people, when they get the diagnosis, and by the way, what kind of cancer was it? I had prostate cancer. And when they get that diagnosis, it just sets them on their heels, and they they give up. Right. They might go through the treatments, sort of half-heartedly. You attack this problem. Yeah. You know, I, I decided that, you know... God is in control. First of all, my grandfather, both my grandfathers had prostate cancer, died from it. I never knew them because they died before okay. I was born. So I said, okay, it's in my DNA. This is who I am. I mean, God, you created me. And if you created me and this is in my DNA, then I'm going to embrace this and I'm going to let you take it and use it whatever way you want to. And when, when the, and I, and so I listened to the doctors, you know, I, I'm a very obedient patient. And, and when the doctor said, lose weight, and build endurance, I knew how to do it. And then when the Lord spoke to me and said, run, I knew that was it. But one of the things the Lord taught me as I began to run was that that my health was important to him. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first became a Christian, you know, I heard preachers preach about that, you know, all the time, yeah. you know, because smoking was such an issue. We and, all have, and that, sure. And all yeah. that. But then, you know. It goes beyond, it the, goes uh, the, beyond the typical the vices right, we think of. Right. And, and, and so I, I began to learn what it meant to have a healthy lifestyle and that that glorified God. And so I said, you know, I need to develop this. And you know what I've discovered? When, when my book first came out, we had the, the first, um, you know, book signing at a Barnes & Noble. Had a man come, the paper carried a story on it, and a man came and he was standing there, and it almost had tears in his eyes, and uh, and he he didn't know me, he came from the paper, and uh, he looked at me and he said, I've been diagnosed with diabetes, and he says, I don't know what to do, hmm. you know. I realized, you know, there's just a lot of people looking for just some practical help, and it's amazing that when God speaks to our hearts, the things that he gives us for our lives are very practical and are very helpful. And and I'm healthier, I think, since the cancer diagnosis than, than I've ever been in the past 20 years. And as a result, it's given you new, not only energy, but new vision for ministry? That's right. I find, find a lot of men are, are struggling with the very same thing that I was struggling with. You're tired, you're health, you know, you sit down, you watch TV, and that's kind of where you're, mm-hmm. you're at in the evening. And, and, and so... We're going to launch a men's conference uh, this year uh, called The Burning Bush. And, of course, The Burning Bush is where Moses met God. And then call it, subtitle it, Renewing a Man's Heart, Home, and Health. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that we, if, if men will become men of God and begin to walk with God, we could see a renewal in this country. But it starts on a very personal level. How can we keep up with what's going on with the conference? Well, we, uh, we'll have it on our website, uh, sammytippet.org. We're in the process of, of developing a new website for the conference. It'll be called burningbushconference.com, uh, but we don't have that com- completed yet. We're in the process So we'll of be watching for that. But at sammytippet.org, you'll be able to find it. And I'll put links at firstpersoninterview.com as well. In a moment, we'll continue our conversation with today's guest, Sammy Tippett. 
Next week on First Person, the author of Read the Bible for Life, Dr. George Guthrie. As you meet the living God in the Word and you see your life changed by that experience, you begin to hunger for it. And what I would long for is to see people changed relationally by reading the Word better. A biblical scholar with a passion to teach us to read the Bible for life. Join us next time with Dr. George Guthrie on First Person. Sammy, I think the first time I ever heard the name Sammy Tippett, it had to do with Eastern Europe before the Iron Curtain fell. That's, is that where it started for you? That, that is. Actually, it started in Chicago. Uh, I, um, my wife and I uh, were in Louisiana, where I grew up and was born and raised. And the Lord just put it on my heart to go to a major city. So we moved up to Chicago, started a ministry in the highest crime district of Chicago. And we were doing that for a couple of years. And um, Where did you live in Chicago? On the north side in Uptown. Okay. At that time, there were multiple street gangs. Yeah. It, you know, it's just a better community I'm guessing today. about the 1970s or 1970. so? 1970. Yeah. And we started an outreach with drug addicts and runaways and street gangs. And the Lord was blessing. And uh, we had 13 full-time staff members. And one day we were praying, when we would pray in our staff meetings for the nations of the world, we were praying for Germany. And the Lord just broke my heart on another guy's heart. It was divided Germany. Right. West Germany, East Germany. We ended up going to Germany, and I ended up in West Berlin preaching and uh, in a church. And we would go to the Berlin Wall, my wife and I did every night, and pray. And it was like this massive prison cell, and God just broke my heart. Well, I met an old Lutheran pastor. Uh, in East Berlin. We would get a 24-hour visa and go over to East Berlin, which was the communist side. And he said, next year, young man, there's going to be 100,000 hardcore communist young people gathered to learn how to evangelize the world for atheism and communism. You come and preach the gospel to them. I looked at him like, you're crazy. (laughs) And he said, no, I believe God will open the door for you. Well, I made a mistake. I prayed about it. (laughs) And the Lord put it on my heart and two other guys' hearts to go back we infiltrated that meeting, 100,000 communist young people. We led 200 hardcore communist youth to Christ. They were from all over Eastern Europe. So they invited us to their cities. 95% of these young people followed through with their commitment to Christ, got involved in churches. So these churches started inviting us to come and preach. And that's how our ministry began in Eastern Europe. But that couldn't have been easy. I mean, how did you get in and out and get access? Through prayer. And that's why, you know, I've written a number of books on prayer. And, And the reason I've written those books on prayer is because my ministry was birthed in prayer. It was sustained in <laughs> you prayer, had to and pray. I, I had to pray. It was <laughs> yeah. only through prayer that we were able to do And that's the only explanation, and I'm not trying to super-spiritualize something. I you know, I mean, it's the only explanation for how we got in and out. Because people said, the only thing you can do is smuggle Bibles. You know, And that's what all was during those days that was happening. We were doing evangelistic yeah. meetings. You were preaching and uh, calling uh, people to Christ. That's right. Huh. And, uh, and people said, you can't do that. Well, we did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> but it had to put you in some pretty tight places, some tight spots. Well, I I was arrested twice, uh, once in the Soviet Union and once in Romania, the last time in Romania. See, that's where I remember hearing your story was Romania. Our mutual friend Jerry Jenkins. Right. uh, Was he he with you on that trip? No, not on that trip, but he went with me to Romania a couple of trips before that. We were in and out two or three times a year. We had uh, a a great time, but I I was arrested in Romania, put out the last thing they told me. They said, you'll never set your feet on Romanian soil as long as you live. Well, there was something they didn't know, and that is God is on his throne, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's in charge of the yeah. affairs of human history, not, yeah. not man. Yeah. So we ended up going into uh, 
Romania during the revolution. And, um, uh, and I preached in the middle of the revolution, preached the first outdoor stadium crusade in the history of Romania and, uh, and then all over the former Soviet Union. I love Romania. I love the Romanian people. I've been there several times, been to Timisoara, yeah. been to Arad and these places. The church is growing. They call the uh, evangelicals repenters yeah. there, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I love the people, and I love to see what God's doing there. In, in you, a, you helped plant the seed. Yeah, you know, the revival began with a pastor by the name of Pastor uh, Libby Ola, yes. and uh, he, he had a message, and his message was the repenters must repent. <laughs> and he called for repentance among those who were evangelical Christians yeah. because they had they were involved in the sins of the culture and he called them to repent of that and and it was when the, their church it was in Aradia actually entered into a covenant of repentance hmm. and uh, from the sins in the culture and as a result of that there was this great revival that took place. Uh, in in Romania, and God just worked mightily, and 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 it spread, and until the revolution happened, and mm-hmm. and it's it's just incredible. I've been there before and after the revolution, and and just to see what God's done is just uh, you sit back and say, thank you, Lord, thank thank you for letting me have one little part in that. Well, you were ministering in the in the uh, midst of chaos, and then as we've talked earlier, chaos came to your life with that cancer diagnosis. But what's the bottom line of all this lesson for you? And for the rest of us, so what what do we learn from what God's done in your life? Well, the the bottom line for me is being conformed into the image of Jesus. When Christ saves us, when He comes into our lives, He doesn't just come to our lives to save us from hell, although that that is a wonderful mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. But it's to make us more like Jesus. And so, in Romania, in Eastern Europe, when Christians were suffering, going through the difficult, hard persecution, I saw a quality of Christianity that was was tremendous in my life and the reason I wrote the race was because what I saw in that Hebrews 12 passage about you know running the race well you keep reading and down in verse 14 it says what are you pursuing every runner is pursuing something a medal or something mm-hmm. but he says pursue peace with all men and holiness which is the image of Christ without which no man shall see the Lord and so the difficult things you go through it's because God's wanting to make you more like Jesus. It's a refining process. That's right. And and if you will Painful. embrace if you will embrace that rather than just let it fly through your life, <laughs> you know, and say, Oh man, look what I'm going through, you know, yeah. woe is me. But say, God, use this to make me like Jesus. Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the, the fellowship, fellowship of, of his sufferings. sufferings. Most of us want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. But not we don't the like fellowship. that other part. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the truth is, that's where more character is built than any other place, hmm. is in the fellowship of his sufferings. And it's when we go through those tough times. And that's what I, I come away from Eastern Europe, places that I go. I go into war zones, you know, around the world, where I see people suffering. I see a, a humility. I see a, a quality of Christianity. I mean, we've got a lot of splash and dash here in America, but but I see a quality of Christianity, and and that was what I was wanting. To, and, and when God did that me, to me personally, I mean, and I've written about this in the big ways, but when God worked this in me so deeply and so personally, I wanted to share that with others, and I felt like th- there's a message and to others, and especially this is why we're starting this, going to start the men's conferences because I feel like men, if men will humble themselves and walk humbly with God. What does God require of us, you know, uh, to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with him? Teach us to pray for brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, as, as we pray that we must have our focus on Christ. 
not what we want, but what he wants. When our hearts get in line with his heart, then we will pray with a new power, a new urgency, a new compassion, a new humility. Give me an example. I would say, for instance, well, let me, let me go back to my, my cancer diagnosis. Most people, when they're diagnosed with cancer, the first, what's the first prayer? Heal me. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> and, and what God said to me, and, what, and this was the very beginning of this deep work in my heart, was not heal me, but God, Do make me more like Christ. Mm-hmm. If I live, I live for you. If I die, I die for you. Lord, make me more like Christ. And that was the, the thing that he brought me to the embracing. And I think the embracing of it was not that, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm healed. <laughs> so, you know, and, the, and that's wonderful. But, but I didn't go to say, heal me, because it, rather than being centered in me, Lord, what's your plan in this? Mm. And I think that's, that's the example yeah. that I would say. I've often heard the persecuted church around the world, when we ask them how we can pray, and they well, don't pray that the persecution ends. That's right. Pray that we would have the faith to, to withstand the persecution. And, that, that, that's what you're talking about, right. too. And, and in fact, and I can say this, and my friends in those countries know me well enough to know that I'm not saying it with any air of superiority or anything like this or criticism. But I can say that it just meant to a great extent, there was much greater spiritual growth taking place before mm-hmm. communism mm-hmm. collapsed than afterwards. Yeah, well, we see it in China today, yeah, don't yeah. we? And so, um, you know, it, it, there's a tendency... And, and I think that some of the things that are happening in our world of economically that's taking place, I think God's just saying, hey, I want your attention. Hmm. I want you, you know, and, and to make you more like me. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, I don't think that that has to happen or you have to go through suffering or have a suffering complex. Sure. But I think that we all do go through suffering. And when we do, if we would embrace it and let God make us more like Christ. Yeah. So are we, as Americans, as North Americans, are we uh, too preoccupied with ourselves? Do we need to get out more? I know we're taking lots of short-term mission trips, but do we still have God's heart for the world? You know, I think the one of the things with short-term mission trips is very, very helpful uh, because it gets people out of their comfort zones. It gets them into another culture, another, and I, I think that's good. I think there's a certain amount of compassion that comes only from being out there. You know, it, it, compassion is not something you can just go to school and study and learn and you become compassionate. I think it when you get out there. So I think that's that's very, very helpful. I think with the wealth that God has blessed us with, that many of us need to do that kind of thing. I think we need to learn to look in our own local communities, in our own personal lives, and say, God, you know, how can you do this in me right here where I'm living now. And if we can do that and begin to pray, I I think God will uh, do a great work. And I I think, and I'll I'll say this, when I was during the days of communism on an interview like this, someone asked me the question, uh, what's the difference in the American church and the Romanian church? And I said this, the Romanian church is suffering, they're needy, and they know it. Yes. The American church is suffering, we're needy, we just don't know it. We covered up with all of these nice, comfortable things, and God has to bring us to the place where we say, I need you. We recognize that need. We, we're transparent with it and open with it, and, and that's when God can do that great work in our lives. You have a new sense of energy, exhilaration for the ministry, don't you? I do, and, and, and th- that's why this revival's come. It's, it's taken place physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually on every level for me, and I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm like a kid. <laughs> I feel like I'm in my 20s again, and, and just, you know, just with an excitement for the Lord. 
It is remarkable to think that something as devastating as the diagnosis of cancer could be used of God as such a catalyst for spiritual growth and change in a person's life. Even someone like Sammy, who's already had a long track record of love and service for God. His book, The Race, in which he talks even more about his life journey these past few years, is available. And we've placed links to the book and Sammy's own website at firstpersoninterview.com. And if you happen to join us in the middle of today's conversation, if you'd like to hear the entire interview, it's been placed in the archive at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, our guest will be Dr. George Guthrie, who will encourage us to read the Bible for life. And after that, over the next few weeks, we'll introduce you to more of the cast and others behind the new movie, Courageous. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. 